Hello, and welcome to Farm Stress Real Talk with Penn State Extension. This podcast focuses on mental health within our farming communities. My name is Jill Varner, and I'm an educator on the Food, Families, and Health team based in Erie County. Today, I will be talking with Matthew Kaplan about how we can handle difficult conversations about succession planning. Thank you so much for joining me today. Could you please tell us about yourself? your role with Penn State Extension, and your involvement with succession issues? Oh, thank you, Jill. Uh, So nice to be here. Um, Well, uh, my title is as um, faculty member, professor of intergenerational programs and aging, uh, and extension specialist um, on the topic of intergenerational programs and practices uh, in different contexts. So, Uh, My faculty line position is in the social science department of the College of Ag Sciences, uh, also known as uh, Department of Agricultural Economics, Sociology, and Education. Uh, (laughs) I know it's a mouthful. Anyway, so um, yeah, my job is to uh, look at areas where um, intergenerational angles or or, um, interventions can address real problems that people face. Um, And in some cases, uh, it's related to early childhood education um, or retirement planning or, um, I guess, community planning and development, uh, helping families that are struggling in different ways. Um, So we uh, basically our program, intergenerational program, is a... uh, Uh, like an umbrella with many different prongs, working with different groups um, rooted in extension, but also connecting with scholars and practitioners. Uh, My introduction to the succession planning topic uh, happened when um, my colleague, uh, John Becker, uh, who's an ag lawyer um, in our department, he since retired, uh, he he said to me, uh, Matt, you know about intergenerational communication in your studies in the area, so you got to help me. He says, I work with families, farm families all the time, trying to get people to prepare estate plans, communicate about how they're going to do succession planning and so forth. And people know intellectually that it's important to set down these things in writing and get it clear. Um, however, people are not doing it. A lot of people are stuck. He says, so... Um, you know, everyone knows farm succession planning is an urgent, very important thing for the sustainability of family farms and strengthening the family element as well as the business. But yet a lot of families aren't doing it. So that was my entree. And I had the chance to work with him, John Nussbaum, uh, another uh, a scholar who's since retired. He's an intergenerational communication specialist different college. <laughs> and anyway, there's a bunch of us out there, believe it or not. So we started looking uh, uh, at uh, communication issues, and we we did a study on this, and we found out some really interesting things and, uh, and uh, have some strategies to help families uh, figure things out, uh, how to improve their communication, and I'm happy to share some of that with you. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us with all this information. What do you find or what are some common barriers to effective communication about succession? Right. So um, that's a that's a big question. Uh, well, first, I want to just mention 
a farm farm continuity and survival, right? There are many factors, right? So um, having things work economically is really important, business-wise and so forth. But communication is really a big issue. And uh, as we started taking a closer look at families and in our uh, focus group study, yeah, we wanted to have families, family members share some thoughts. And it was so surprising to me how painful it was for many families to get into it. Even for our study, where we had, it was well-funded, we were able to um, have an incentive to participate and be interviewed, $100 per family for a few hours. I mean, it, was, it seemed like a no-brainer. And uh, I was kind of woken up to um, how this is kind of a, such a big challenge. Uh, I have a quote I'd like to share. One woman said um, why she didn't want to participate. She says, I am sorry, but we just cannot agree to participate in your study at this time. This is a very emotional and difficult topic for farm families. We ourselves don't know how it will happen exactly in our farm. It is also a very personal subject, but we could tell you in two hours, I can tell you in four words, blood, sweat, tears, and prayers. That is how things are done. So, chills. <laughs> so, so that was like, wow, I'm in the right place. Because, you know, us intergenerational people, we look to do work in areas where yeah. we can help make life better for people, like all of us in extension. And, uh, you know, I was reading more about the literature on family communication. Um, and it tends not only for succession planning, but for very important issues. Um, families tend to uh, postpone a conversation until it's too late, until like some emergency happens. So being proactive about it, starting early, having communication, having rhythms, family meetings, um, where people can share their perspectives and look at how to engage people in the common family farm enterprise are, are really key. Um, and we could drill down on that. Wonderful. You, your very heavy emphasis on kind of promoting conversations within the family. Could you talk a little bit about some important concepts of effective family communication? Kind of where, where would they start? Right. So we asked that. We asked, well, how do you communicate about these things? Um, and it's funny, people have different uh, definitions of communication. Um, <laughs> one patriarch um, in one family with a very strong uh, patriarch sort of uh, said, uh, we don't need to talk. They know what I want. So that's a form of communication, I guess, not effective. It's kind of implicit focusing on what's implicitly known well they kind of know what I, what my wishes are they trust me and i trust them so and also a younger family member who's not young you know someone in their 50s wondering about the future of the farm and is there a plan you know would would say strong things yeah our, strong things our succession planning strategy is waiting till dad dies so i mean realizing that uh that people, it's not something that is so easy for many people. And when you drill down, like, why? Why aren't we having these conversations? Uh, there's a lot of reasons, different families. Sometimes uh, it's fear. People are looking at their own lives and they have 
uh, ideas of what life might be like if things change. So for instance, the matriarch or patriarch uh, in the position of passing on the farm, they might feel like, well, you know, we're very important and central to the family now that we're managing and owning the key owners of the farm and managers. But gee, after, you know, we pass it on, it might be like, we're not going to be around. We may not be, uh, you know, central in like, you know, family gatherings and so forth. Uh, or not unable to spend enough time with grandchildren. So I think when people start communicating and hearing what uh, people's fears or hesitancies are, uh, those families that get it right, that really have great succession plans and strong communication skills and so forth, they discuss things and they find out, well, that fear doesn't, things like the fear I just mentioned, that doesn't really ring a bell. We have a, another um, house on the farm which is very comfortable. We rent it out or whatever. That would be so comfortable for you to be in. Of course, we're going to always have you ask for your advice and so forth. And to be together is so important for our whole family because we know that the farm family is not just a business. It also has meaning for the family. So, um, yeah, so that, that kind of conversation where not only the older generation shares their thinking, it could be the younger generation saying, yeah, we're, we're not really thinking we're going to have a role in this farm. We don't spend time on it. You know, somebody may want to go to college and study computer science and have a career in that. So again, once the people lean in and they're having discussions about their individual uh, plans in life or concerns, uh, then they could lean in and say, well, how might this integrate, how might we find out what we call in our field integrative solutions or strategies for being a family where people lean in with their with their special skills and interests to make the farm family work? Because it's a very difficult entity to keep going as things change with the demographics and the economics of the country and the world. So a young person might feel really good about going to college when they say, look, we need, I need money to go to college. And then the family talks and says, well, you know, we're happy to finance your college, but how, why don't we come up with a deal that as you develop this new skills, social media skills and so forth, helping us uh, perhaps develop new, uh, new products or ways to market our products to new customers and new audiences where you're giving back. So sort of like sweat equity, so you're, you're part, we're supporting you and you're supporting the family entity. So that's, that's a way to turn conflict and unspoken tension into um, thriving family and a thriving business. And some people, that's not enough to hear that. Some people need to uh, hear what happens if they don't communicate. So I, I hate to uh, take that road because that's kind of not mentioning, not focusing on the wonderment of, of moving forward in a positive way, but there are so many people, including people who do this kind of work, help families communicate about farm succession planning. They have nightmares or nightmare situations in their families whereby there's such tension, nothing said until the, the patriarch, matriarch pass away. And then there are questions about what happens to the farm. And then what almost happens more, more often than we know, the siblings, the children, the grandchildren, and so forth, they have different ideas, different lives, and they end up 
you know, ends up getting litigious. And, uh, you know, someone may not have a connection to the farm and be pushing to have the assets sold, you know, so, um, and then when it gets litigious, relationships are, are damaged. And the image that I think resonates with many families is, look, you have Thanksgiving now, you have like 20 people around the table, you know, uh, imagine what, what it might be like to have maybe three people around the table in the future. And that's what that those are the stories being told about families that go through this. And it's not only a family disaster when when that kind of thing happens, but uh, looking at it in a, a more uh, uh, global kind of way, it's a it's a food accessibility disaster for the country because we're going to be losing a lot of farmland, uh, even you know farms that have been around a long time. At any rate, so um, so what? So if I if I could repeat the main themes: have family meetings, talk regularly, not judge what people are saying, um, and as uh, just to throw in one more thing: as people start coming up with like, like gee, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, we could move toward, uh, you know, giving you more roles on the farm or doing this and doing that. Uh, putting uh, putting things on paper. Um, and uh, that's very helpful. And also uh, have informing that younger family members about the farm. So when you have they're having a key meeting with an accountant or um, a lawyer and so forth, include family members in those meetings so that they could be informed about the farm and, and the business and what's going on. And some families that do this really well, they, they start with their kids at four years old, giving them responsibility in the farm. So they have a psychological sense of connection. And then this is part of who I am, my family. So it's not something that just is done. Uh, but some people have such a strong sense of management. No, I'm the manager of this enterprise. I think you could talk about management in the context of farm management, business management, but when we talk about family and family relations, which can upend this enterprise, family management doesn't work so well in many cases because people people are people. I mean, they, they develop. So I guess we're advocating for more of a participatory framework where younger family members could be treated as partners, junior partners, because they're not the ones that are responsible in many ways. So anyway, that's a, I threw a lot at you there. Hopefully um, that touches some of the uh, questions, uh, issues that, uh, that families care about. Very much so. And and I kind of love the, it's almost like outside the box thinking when you gave the example of, all right, well, maybe this one doesn't want to stay on the farm, but they want to go look and um, go to college or maybe get that, you know, computer degree. But what a wonderful way that just because you're, you're going off and pursuing something different, that there's not still a place for you kind of at that home farm. And how awesome to get that new technology and new skills and just use it to to help to help support the family farm and the initiatives that are going on there. I love different perspectives like that. So so thank you. 
Um, and it rolls kind of really well into my next question. I've heard a lot of issues about fairness, and there may be a little bit of an overlap there. But oftentimes, especially um, if somebody has passed, there may be multi-generations that have an interest in this. So how, what can families do to kind of, I don't want to say even the playing field, but make sure that all parties are involved? Uh yeah, yeah. I think uh, all parties should be involved, at least in conversations. Uh, the question of fairness is actually uh, like the third rail of a train station is like electrified in terms of the um, the legal end of things. Uh, so I learned from John Becker, again, my friend and colleague who's an agricultural lawyer, to talk about it's okay to redefine fairness or to define fairness in the context of an individual family situation. So some people are starting with fairness has to be equal. Let's say there are five, uh, five children, adult children. Does every child get exactly the same thing or, do we, or does a family need to also consider uh, contributions that the five uh, siblings, the children, are making to the farm enterprise or ways in which uh, they could all benefit from passing the farm on, uh, but maybe taking into account the inequality of contribution in terms of sweat, money, uh, sacrifice. So that that is very tricky from a lawyer perspective, and that's a, an area of debate. So fairness is kind of tricky. I guess where, where I'm coming from, from a social science background, I have a background in psychology, um, environmental psychology, actually. Um, I'm kind of, uh, the space that I go, at, uh, I, I step into is to help families better, family members to better understand one another and what they're going through at their stage of life. And particularly to help the older family members understand or be reacquainted with some of the youth development, child and youth development principles that we know about, you know, where they're trying to figure out things like self-identity, you know, and it's a very normal for a young person to try on different identities. You know, what am I? I mean, who am I? Uh, where am I going? What, what should I get really good at? So some of this needs to be nurtured. And uh, sometimes it's in the process of a conversation. And, um, and also, instead of legislating the relationships, and you're going to do this, you know, kind of uh, provide many opportunities for participation, where they can gain some confidence in some areas of the business, where they actually can feel really good about their, their contribution, and realizing, wow, this is really nice. I have a role here. I could see me and who I am in my family identity, my cultural identity, the farm community identity, as opposed to maybe like one bad experience somebody might have, you know, um, in school or whatever, just saying, well, gee, I, I found, you know, people didn't really respect this kind of lifestyle. I mean, so there are many influences on young people. So um, I think open conversations and also as people get older, I mean, there are a lot of challenges you know, what is retirement going to look like? Um, how might we we be able to go on vacation once in a while? Um, you know, after passing on the farm. So there there are some there's a lot of learning that has to happen as far as whether uh, 
the farm is uh, economically viable for uh, supporting two, two families or more. So there's a lot going on and people, we, they, we want them to learn together, share together and figure out how people can lean in together and make this common enterprise a lot stronger than what one person can do on their own in a non-family situation. Fantastic. When families are starting to have these deep conversations and maybe they've started to take those steps forward to include involved parties, are there any like key decisions that need to be made when having these conversations? Right. No, that's that's a good question, too. I mean, that's a, a legal set. I mean, I, I think if I had a lawyer next to me, yeah, I mean there there are many. Uh, I'm not I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> I don't play one on TV, but um, yeah, I mean there there should be some cl- moving towards some clarity about uh, who will do what, um, who will be willing to take on certain willing and able to take on certain responsibilities, and uh, through conversation honest conversation, authentic conversation. Sometimes you need an outside mediator to facilitate these difficult conversations. It's, it becomes possible to separate family ident- family relationships with the business relationship. So someone who may not uh, have been trained or completely competent in a certain operations manager role, for instance, um, it's not going to, oh, it's assumed you're going to do that. So um, I, I think moving toward uh, what people's, uh, what the needs are and who can fulfill what which needs in an effective, competent way. And I, I think as things settle down, the marbles fall where they, that where they may and where people realize where the holes are, what, what they're not getting done with the family, they could perhaps hire someone else to handle those roles. Then people are supporting each other. They know what other people are doing. You avoid competitive, you know, uh, elbow to elbow, passive aggressive behavior where people are trying to, you know, one up each other. And it could be more of a harmonious kind of business, which is good for the business and good for the family. And your Thanksgiving meals still have 20 people. Yeah. And everybody could bring their favorite dishes if they're not all living in the same place. (laughs) That definitely sounds like a fantastic end goal for sure. As we get, um, as we start to close our conversation out, could you share maybe a little bit of why it's important that farmers have individuals or networks to turn to during stressful times? Because it definitely sounds like um, given how much there is to go through in succession planning, they may need a little bit of extra support. Uh yeah, well, again, I learned about this third hand. I grew up in a city on the ninth floor of an apartment building and uh, with some plants on the windowsill that often died. So, um, but I've been schooled. I've, I mean, just being in the College of Ag Sciences and being having the uh, the gift of being able to visit different uh, different communities and understand about rural life. And and boy, it's a uh, it's quite a challenge to make these things work, particularly if there are some unknowns, unspoken things and uncertainties and tensions within the family oper- the farm operation. Now, if it's a farm family, there could be another set of layers of challenges, or the family could be really, in the family context, part of what makes it uh, 
helps to insulate people from that stress, that people are in it together and figuring out how to make it viable for what they can do. So of course there are unknowns like weather, uh, macroeconomic things and so forth. But when people are learning different skills um, and understanding like things like marketing and, and new products, new kinds of uh, ways to use a farm to grow and create things, um, it helps that diversification, that helps diversification, which can uh, help the farm business, I guess, uh, pivot, not pivot fully, but also, but take advantage of other opportunities. It's like using social media, for instance, or uh, having a small crop of, uh, of, you know, specialty items, which are, are very valuable in some contexts. So it actually, it improves the, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that uh, when things go well, and people are contributing their cohort perspectives, their unique skills, who they know, how they know. It actually, I think, adds potential to the success of the family enterprise. And you know, one one area in the intergenerational studies uh, field, we, it actually interacts with many areas, but it's at the workplace. And uh, knowledge transfer is a huge thing as well. You know, so you have uh, some businesses with three and four generations of family of, of, of uh, workers, um, and a lot of companies aren't really uh, making the best use of the knowledge of these different cohorts. So part of it is to pass on the knowledge of the older generation, the one that came earlier, but also to understand the value of new technologies, uh, new ways to establish global connections and so forth. So when intergenerational teams and workplaces, we know when they work well, it actually bodes really well for the company. But yet in the literature, everybody's talking about, oh, we're going to have generation wars and tension and this and that. So um, that's not necessarily what needs to happen. I, don't even, I think some companies are really getting it right. So uh, we could take that into the farm, uh, farm succession planning context that uh, we really do need to learn about new ways of communicating. You have AI right around the corner. Well, actually it's not around the corner, it's here already. Yeah. <laughs> Artificial intelligence. And uh, people, you know, people in my generation, I'd say mine, uh, I would say ours, but I don't think we're in that same uh, category. Uh, we're trying to make, make heads and tails out of it. You know, this is something we should be afraid of. This is something that can actually be good in some way. And there, there are some uh, digital natives that are learning this and uh, will be learning this as children and living with it. And they'll be able to uh, figure out ways to, to use that new technology uh, in uh, enriching ways, in phenomenal ways. And you wanna hear that. You want those people to be on your team. So you wanna convey to young people that they're needed. Yeah, anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> I, know I love I who, love that perspective. So yeah. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> oh, there, there's one thing I forgot to mention. Yes, please. Okay, and then I'll get back. I'll I'll shut up and <laughs> listen to your questions. So the communication, I think there has to be like a big picture to the communication. It's not just diving into shared decision making and uh, you know what what can be handed to a lawyer as to what what regular you know what rules and systems you want to abide by, but what are the values 
of this farm family operation. So how important is it to, to the family to keep the fam farm in the family? How important is it to keep the family on the farm? How important is it to keep the family in farming or keep the family from farming? So those aren't just related to uh, talking it through, but also to understand the reality of the business opportunities, you know, as well as the, uh, well, includes challenges, but also the, uh, the assets and the wonderment as, some, as people talk about farm, farm life, you know, the love of it, uh, sense of continuity of family and, and local culture, but also to, to get at, you know, let's get on the same page. Let's at least put down a shared vision or a mission statement that we can all understand and, and go by rather than uh, somebody in an authoritarian way. I use the word participatory decision-making early, earlier. Mm -hmm saying this is how it is and this is how it's been. That's because this is how it's always going to be. You know, so that kind of loop, I mean, I don't know about um, how other people look at child development, but um, in many cases to be told, you know, everything, sometimes they uh, resist. And in fact, in psychology, there's something called reactance. I don't know if this will get into the podcast, but um, in psychology, we, social psych, taught some of those classes uh, over time is something they it's nicknamed the pee in the ear phenomenon. Reactance is the concept. So why is it the pee in the ear phenomenon? You tell a kid, whatever you do, we're having dinner, there are peas here. Whatever you do, do not put the pee, peas in your ears. And <laughs> a kid probably never thought of that. But then it'll take you so much time to get throwing things out of their ears. So there's some understanding about lifespan development that's really important. I'm not telling everybody to go get a degree in psychology. Just talk to one another. What do you care about? What's going on in your life? What would you like to see in the future? Or, you know, some good questions we use with intergenerational engagement. If your life were a book, if your life were a book, what would you title the chapter that you're living now? That's a nice question because some does it doesn't force too much information. People can have privacy, but they could, you know, people will surprise each other. Like the world is opening up, or um, lots of anxiety about keeping food on the table. You know, things like that. It's like, wow, I never knew that that, that was on your mind or, or you were worried about that. So it gets real. It gets authentic. And, uh, and that's that's uh, what we talk about with communication. Well, Matthew, that's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> um, I want to thank you so much for sharing your wealth of knowledge with our listeners and just even participating in our podcast. I am very grateful. Please join our team for future episodes as we continue to discuss difficult conversations and succession planning. If you would like more information on farm stress, please visit the Penn State Extension website at extension.psu.edu. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.